I'm Richard van der Berg. And I'm Duncan McLeod. This is Talk Central, episode 144, for the week starting 24 April 2016. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central, where you'll find South Africa's best technology journalism. On Talk Central this week, we chat about Africa One. Also this week, MTN cuts off more subscribers in Nigeria, Vumatel raises more money, and Dean Smuts passes away. Let's get the show on the road. Well, welcome to the show. How's it, Richard? How's it, Duncan? The intermittent show known as Talk Central. (laughs) (laughs) We don't seem to manage to get this going every week, but uh, when we do, it's usually a good show, so let's... uh, Let's, let's get right into it. Uh, let's start with our uh, quiz. Uh, for those who haven't uh, listened to the show in the last uh, month or two or three, uh, we uh, do a quiz at the beginning of the show just to uh, see how on your toes are. No prizes, just for the fun of it. Um, just to uh, see how well you've been keeping up with the tech news. Uh, so, Rechot, uh, do you want to kick off with the first question? And we'll obviously provide the answers at the end of the show. Yes. So, this was featured on Tech Central uh, last week. Um, how many live TV channels is DSTV now streaming online? If you're a fan, uh, it's a good one. Yeah, and I've actually started. I tr- played around with it on my TV the other day. Unfortunately, it only seems to stream in standard definition, which is a bit disappointing. Mm. But um, it was quite cool to be able to watch. I was watching uh, the Sharks against the Lions, I think it was, nice. uh, streaming over the internet. Nice. Um, so Supersport is on there. So it's nice yes, to see DSTV yes. in this online streaming business. Doing it properly. But no, Well, not in HD yet, no. uh, unfortunately. Uh, sure, um, sure. But uh, anyway, it's a difficult question. So... Um, uh, well, except within the nearest uh, <laughs> the nearest ten. <laughs> the second question: how, uh, What type of rocket developed by SpaceX that landed successfully? Ah, it's badly written. Let me rephrase this. What was the type of rocket developed by SpaceX that landed successfully on a barge floating in the ocean recently? And what a phenomenal feat that was! It was an incredible video. Man. Go check it out. Third question. Many people forget that the Gupta family started out in SA in the IT, ICT sector and still have a big investment in the industry. What is their ICT company called? Fourth question. How much has Uber cut its UberX prices in South Africa by for the winter months? And the fifth question. The Advertising Standards Authority ordered Salsi to take down a billboard claiming it offered the widest network coverage. Who was the complainant? Nice easy one, that. Anyway, let's get straight into the show. Um, so we've got a new undersea cable coming. Africa, more bandwidth. Africa One, more bandwidth, lots of bandwidth. This one is going to have a design capacity, wait for it, of 40 terabits per second. <laughs> but can you torrent on it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, ran, I did a couple of um, calculations. It means you could download 5,000 one gigabyte movies in one second. Sure. So maybe maybe multi-choice should use that for their streaming services. We can get HDR. <laughs> 4K. <laughs> that is phenomenal. That is phenomenal. Yeah. It, anyway, obviously it, that that's its design capacity using 100G technology over three fiber pairs. It won't have um, it won't have that sort of capacity to start with because they don't light up the whole uh, mm, system because mm, mm. it's quite expensive to do that. Um, so they, but they're going to start with uh, several terabits per second. Um, but already the project seems to have run into a little bit of difficulty and the telecom has come out and said that they're, um, they haven't committed to it financially yet. Well, that's a bit of a strange statement because it's only at the MOU, what they call the MOU stage, the Memorandum of Understanding stage. So no one has actually committed anything substantial to this project at the stage. Um, they are expected to make their commitments, I believe, by June uh, when they'll then um, seek the, uh, 
the services of a uh, company that will do the construction and maintenance of the system. Now, these are typically companies like Al- Alcatel Lucent, for example, that operate these big sh- cable-laying ships. Um, but it's an interesting decision anyway to put the cable along this route. So Telcom and MTN are backing it, as well as Telecom Egypt, Saudi Telecommunications Company, and PCCW Global, which is a Hong Kong-based telco uh, that uh, actually put out the statement around this. Uh, now, it's an interesting route they're taking because there's already two route, two fa- cables already running along this general mm-hmm. direction. Mm-hmm. That's Easy, the East Africa Submarine System, and Seacom, um, both of which were built in the last five or six years. Uh, so they're talking about building this cable now. It's going to be a bigger cable. It's going to extend all the way to Southeast Asia as well as up to Iran and Pakistan and then on to Europe. Uh, so not covering exactly the same route, but for, for the lo- largest portion along the coast of Africa, it's certainly... Uh, it's certainly going to be covering the same routes as Seacom and, and Easy. So an interesting decision. Really, the I see today that uh, Easy has come out. Uh, Chris Wood from uh, who I think is the vice chair of, of Easy of the Easy Consortium has said that uh, that he doesn't believe there's uh, space for another cable along this route and that it's completely unnecessary. Uh, but I guess we need to take that with a pinch of salt as well because, mm. you know, these guys are going to be competing head-on with Easy. Yeah, so yeah. it's a bit like a competitor saying, it's a bit like, you know, SA Brewery saying we don't need Namibian breweries <laughs> in this market because mm-hmm. we're very good at supplying beer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, also, the capacitors, I guess, with with each new cable being laid, mm. uh, you know, the, the capacity that is able to push would, would exponentially grow. And maybe not now but in 10 years time when there's a need for for maybe one set of bulk or larger capacity yeah. you know it could make something like the the easy or seacom cables obsolete in some industries they least. will eventually be obsolete and these these cables do have a a limited lifespan i think it's something like 20 years hmm. um and then they get decommissioned or, they, or they, they're still used for a period after that but you know they're not actively serviced and eventually they fall into disuse hmm. Hmm. um and we saw that with the original sat one and then the sat two cable uh, and I'm sure the same thing is going to happen to Sat three in the next few, in the next yeah. five years or so, um, because the capacity they offer is so limited anyway that um, these new cables make them redundant in a yeah, way. Yeah. But um, the, one of the advantages of this new cable route is that um, is that there's additional redundancy. Mm. Um, we saw what happened um, at the beginning of this year when both Seacom went down uh, in Egypt and the um, I think it was Wax went down uh, in the UK. Um, somewhere near the landing station yeah. uh, and South African internet users uh, South, the South African internet was quite badly disrupted by that so hopefully with a cable system like this in place there'd, there'd, there'd hopefully be some sort of redundancy in place but of course both, that, that still relies on the telecommunications operators and the internet service providers actually buying redundant links yeah, on these yeah. systems but but uh, it's an interesting uh, development and um, you know it's not finalised yet it could still it could still collapse but um, certainly uh, it looks like um, there's commitment here, even if Telcom has made some disparaging remarks about it. It certainly sounds like um, it's going to go ahead with big backers like MTN uh, and PCCW, which uh, which are you know, among some of the biggest telcos in the world. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, for me, another thing is you know the capacity going out of the country could also allow us to to push more stuff out into the world. You know, especially when it comes to bandwidth, you need yeah. you need solid bandwidth. Um, yeah, it could only be a good thing for us. Yeah, yeah, and would help. I think with latency as well for, for connecting to, particularly to countries like China. Um, I mean, China at the moment, I think we probably connect via the United States and across the Pacific or something. Hmm. Um, if not going the other routes through hmm. Russia or one of those cables, the CMEWE cable, 
which is the best name cable. See me, we. So it would provide an alternative route to, 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 to China. And I think it would probably, you know, they were talking about doing that BRICS cable at one point a couple of mm. years ago. That's gone mm. very quiet. And I, I suspect if this project goes ahead, then the BRICS cable project is dead in the water. But these things do get announced, and you never know whether they're actually going to happen or not until there's... Um, those construction agreements are signed with the suppliers. Yeah. But uh, hopefully this one gets green-lighted. It looks like a good project and it should help with our internet and bring prices down. And again, it's so nice to see that we find a place where we can compare our, our, our infrastructure, relatively speaking, to a first-world uh, infrastructure. Yeah. And with the fiber to the home, it's being rolled out in an aggressive pace. I'm going to talk a bit more about that just now. It's it's really encouraging to see the sort of infrastructure we're getting in the ground. Mm. And well, it's all being driven by the private sector, it must be said. Uh, yeah. None of this is government-led. Uh, it's private money that's gone into these undersea cables. It's it's private money that's investing in fibre to the home. Um, uh, Telcom is is you can be sure Telcom wouldn't be as investing as aggressively as is in FTTH if it didn't have all these startup providers mm-hmm. like Vumatel and Link Africa etc. nipping at its he- at its heels. So um, so it's good stuff. Um, and uh, the more investment, I think, the better. Oh yeah, definitely. So what's next? Uh, MTN. Um, they put out their quarterly trading update for the first quarter to 31 March and they cut off another four and a half million subscribers in Nigeria uh, who were unregistered in terms of the SIM card registration laws up there. Mm. Uh, the share price didn't seem to react too much. It bounced around a bit and I think it's down about another 2% on Friday. But um, interesting, uh, interesting development. They say they're being very aggressive about this uh, and they're, um, they're taking a position they're taking a very conservative position in terms of um, what the regulators might interpret to be a registered subscriber or not. So they're obviously they've they've taken fright from that massive fine that was imposed in Nigeria, in which they're still they're still attempting to get resolved. Uh, and they've they've obviously decided they're going to take a position not just in that market but all the markets in which they operate now mm. to avoid the surprise of having a huge fine imposed on them for uh, SIM card registration uh, for 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 not. Um, Perhaps complying fully with the with the um, with the regulations and the laws in the various markets in which they operate, uh, but um, it's had a big impact on their subscriber numbers in Nigeria now down to 57 million. I think they were sitting around 62 million at this time last year. Um, so that's a big market market decline in what should be yeah. a growing industry. And also, I mean, 4.5 million. It's, it's that's a lot of SIM cards. You can only wonder what these things were used for if they're not registered through the you know through the legal channels. Yeah. I believe it's the the SIM card registration law is quite onerous up there, and it's quite difficult as well to to get people to approve their addresses and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a very different environment in South Africa. It's a very difficult and almost hostile environment in which to operate. Um, so you've got to have some sympathy for MTN in in this whole mess. Um, but I think I think MTN I think is a huge opportunity for them still up in Nigeria. You know they've they've just got access to 800 megahertz spectrum. They're starting to roll out a 4G network. There is no fixed line infrastructure to speak of in Nigeria, so it's going to be a walk mobile only market. And I think there's, there must be massive pent up demand amongst Nigerians for access to the internet. Yeah. So I think there's a huge opportunity still for MTN up there, even even with all the troubles that it's been experiencing with the regulators up there. Mm. Um, so I think they're right to, to, to stay put and to take a conservative approach to this whole thing. Um, but yeah, let's, let's keep an eye on that. Um, they haven't had the, the greatest uh, 12 months uh, and the MT in South African operation has also been struggling in fact some new research out this week shows that they're, they're really struggling with customer service and customer satisfaction 
uh, that their uh, rivals are doing much better in that regard. So they've got a lot of work to do both in South Africa and up in Nigeria. Um, but still a lot of potential in that business because they operate mm. in markets where where uh, internet penetration is um, is poor. And they are going to be the company in many respects that delivers that internet access. And um, as we've seen in all markets around the world, there's just an insatiable demand for bandwidth mm. for, for mm. to get online. And it's going to be no different in Nigeria and the other developing markets in which MTN operates. I mean, as a long-standing, just on a side note there, as a long-standing MTN subscriber, I'm, I'm actually continually surprised to hear these things because I've, I haven't had a day's worth of bad service from them. But more importantly... Weren't you than affected that, by the outage earlier this year? Remember they were offline for 48 hours? Yes, no, I wasn't affected. Oh, so I didn't, well, oh, I didn't notice it, but oh. I certainly didn't, didn't okay. have any issues with it. Mm. Um, but the point I was trying to make is, you know, we were in Clarence last weekend um, for, for one of the mountain bike races. Yeah. And there are still places in Clarence where... If you're a Vodacom subscriber, you are offline. Only okay. MTN reaches, and, and it's not far out of the city. I mean, out of the little town. Yeah. You know, and it's things like that that make me go, okay, but how, how is it possible that this company can be rated that bad? Yeah. So, obviously, there is something wrong. Um, just hope they get the act together, because yeah. I certainly haven't had those experiences. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we need to take a break at this point, but we'll be back uh, after this message. Chicken or beef? Chicken or beef? Chicken. There are so many companies offering fiber at the moment, but with Vox Telecom's premium high-speed fiber, you'll be joining the Smile High Club. Duck or salmon, sir? We call it business class fiber. We guarantee our uptime and can tailor our services to suit your needs and budget. Say hello to business class fiber from Vox Telecom. Visit voxtelecom.co.za for more information. Hello world. Hello information. Hello uploads and downloads. Hello streaming videos and low latency. Hello blogs and vlogs. Hello crystal clear video calls. Hello increased productivity. Hello online learning. Hello cloud. Hello long lost friends and missed connections. Hello limitless possibilities and instant gratification. Say hello to premium high speed fiber from Vox Telecom. Pleasure guaranteed. Visit voxtelecom.co.za for more information. Well, welcome back to the show. Um, so, Vumatel, uh, how, how your, how's your uh, Vumatel fiber going? Oh, man, if I can tell you how much in love I am with my fiber <laughs> connection, it has changed within the space of a month. By my entire online life has changed. Everything yeah. is instant. Um, you know, I upload a lot of video, and I mean, uploading movies to video uh, to YouTube takes twentieth of the time it used to, and yeah. I get a solid twenty meg uh, connection. Yeah. Um, it is phenomenal what what fiber does and does to your life. So yeah, yeah I'm very happy, <laughs> very very happy. Yeah, yeah. And you're just on a 20 meg connection. Yeah, just on a 20. I'll upgrade to a 50. I'm in a trial with Celsius at the moment. So yeah. so they covered my first three months. After that, then uh, I can upgrade to a 50 meg. Yes. Um, and I'm certainly going to be doing that. I can only imagine what double the speed must feel yeah. like. Yes, I'm still restricted by um, international standards, but it's funny how, you know, once you have a decent broadband connection, you actually realize where um, certain online servers or websites or streaming services, when they are too slow, you know, it's not your, your the bottleneck, yeah. isn't your, your home connection. It's yeah. actually yeah. a server on the internet. Right, right. Right, so anyway, Vumatel, um, which is really emerging as the leading pioneer uh, in the fiber-to-the-home market, has um, announced that they've raised a significant amount of financing from Standard Bank and have said that they intend spending 3 billion rand over the next two years, dramatically stepping up their FTTH footprint. 
Nice. Um, so I'm just looking at the um, the article we ran on the Standard Bank investment will provide the company with the resources it needs to speed up the delivery of fiber broadband and expand into new markets. Uh, and this is just comes just after I think less than a year after they announced that they were ra- raised a, a significant tranche of funding from Investec. Um, so very interesting, fast-growing business. This I wouldn't be surprised if they become the target of a takeover at some point, perhaps oh, by yeah. someone like Telcom or Vodacom. And that may be what management has in mind for the business. But in the meantime, they've really got their heads down and they really are um, expanding rapidly. Uh, and um, in fact, they've, uh, as the Hardy does come flying over, <laughs> <laughs> what an unholy noise. Um, they, they've, they've in fact expanded into the suburb next to me now. So I'm kind of hoping that they uh, just extend. They just yeah. extend into into my suburb soon. You uh, haven't heard anything more from Telcom. Oh, you said Telcom. Telcom is promising to deliver fiber here this quarter sometime. Um, thanks for the interruption, guys. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a noise! No nature. Uh, Vumatel has the joys of recording a podcast outside, I guess, in Africa. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, um, so uh, interesting development. L- lots of fun, uh, money raised. Um, as I say, I think these guys could very well be the target of a takeover if they haven't been offered, given offers already. Wouldn't surprise me if they have. Mm. Um, but um, they, they're doing well, and everyone I speak to about Vumatel just raves about them and says they've, um, you know, the, the service is brilliant. Uh, they do a great job when they come into your neighbourhood of informing you of what's going on and yeah. what's why your pavement is being dug up and um, and then connecting you. Mm. The process is very effortless. Now they mm. they they did that well. I think they 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 looked at what Telcom is doing and said we need to up our game in every other aspect of it, which so, isn't that hard. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, very good experience. And I, mm. I don't know anybody. The only people that complain about Vumatel that I know of are people that are upset that the pavements are dug up. Yes, and I think it's a bit. It's a bit of an unnecessary complaint simply because you know yeah. this is this is for the good of the neighbourhood or good of uh, exactly. you know, South Africa. Exactly. I remember hearing Jenny Chris Williams complaining on Seven Hundred Two <laughs> when Vumatel first started digging up Parkhurst about how her precious daisies had been dug up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard to believe that this company we met with uh, at the groundbreaking ceremony eighteen months yeah, ago it wasn't that long ago. It wasn't. Yeah. And um, look at where they are now. I mean, back then we were all we were all secretly hoping that they would quickly expand yeah. and, and yeah. it seems are. almost overnight that they have mm. and uh, it's, it's very impressive yeah I often I mean I was dri- driving through I can't even remember where I was driving through jo- suburb, jo- uh, Jobik suburbs uh, re- recently and I was amazed every second suburb I was coming to I saw the pink Vumatel signs like five is coming to this area <laughs> <laughs> you know if you really want to play a bad prank on somebody take a whole bunch of those posters put it up in a, in a street somewhere <laughs> put it up in Duncan Street and you will see a very unhappy uh, <laughs> editor I will hunt you down <laughs> Anyway, that's Vumatel. And then uh, last an item of news, some, something that um, actually broke this Friday morning, uh, and that's uh, the um, untimely passing of Democratic Alliance MP Dean Smuts. I don't know if you ever dealt with her at all. Um, I, I, I used to uh, interact with her a considerable amount back when she was the Shadow Minister of Communications. Mm. I think it was around the mid-2000s for a couple of years. Um, in fact, yeah, she was the... Um, I think she was the shadow minister when Roy Padiachi was the minister, if I'm not mistaken. Or it could have been when Roy Padiachi was the deputy minister. But um, the news coming out this morning that she's passed away, and she wasn't that old. I think she was in her mid-60s, 66 or 67. Um, and um, she, uh, she she really was an interesting uh, woman. She, uh, um, she was a strong constitutionalist, but she... Um, she she really it wasn't her area of expertise, but she really did tackle that communications portfolio, 
And I remember having some very spirited discussions with her and with Roy Padiachi at the time about ICASA. I think they were, they were both having a big battle about um, about uh, the uh, Chapter 9 um, uh, pr constitutional protection of um, bodies like ICASA. In ICASA particularly, there was a big fight going on about an amendment to uh, legislation and how ICASA councillors would be appointed. And she really dug it, got stuck in with both feet. and. Uh, and really understood the legal issues and the constitutional issues around it. Um, she was a, a very feisty <laughs> individual, um, and she she went on to. Uh, uh, I think she was also in the Home Affairs portfolio for, if I'm not mistaken, before that, and most recently in constitutional development, I think. Um, but uh, sad to hear the news of of her passing at quite a young age. Um, she certainly was one of the uh, one of the better MPs in Parliament. Uh, so sad news about her. So, uh, winners and losers. We don't actually have a winner this week, um, but we do have a loser, which was kind of obvious. <laughs> yeah, very. And yeah, such unfortunate things being said. said yeah. Now, I do, I do think his conversation, the, the, the part of his conversation was taken a little bit of out of context by whoever it was that first reported this. But, um, but it... Um, the fact is he did say these things mm. um, and uh, so our loser this week uh, is Jose de Santos uh, for saying some rather sexist things uh, during an interview with Cliff Central um, there was a real um, outcry on social media on Twitter and elsewhere and I thought uh, our cartoonist germ had uh, quite a good dig at him I don't know if you saw that cartoon saw that. <laughs> um, which I'm sure he didn't appreciate but uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, the comments were, uh, you know, you're, you're the CEO of a company, you do have to, have to, I think, be a little careful about what mm. you say in public. Um, and, um, you know, I think, you know, while a lot of what he said on that, on that Cliff Central show, and I have listened to it, uh, was, it was absolutely fine. There were a couple of remarks there that were really off color. Um, and so he probably deserved a lot of the flack that he got on social media in the, in the days that followed. Um, but uh, he's an obvious pick for our loser of the week for uh, for this week's show. Um, Rachat, what is your pick this week? Well, <clears throat> if you follow me or seen me on social media, we would have seen some of the photographs I've been posting over the last uh, week. Um, and and the pick I have is, and I, I like to think of this product as a camera rather than anything else, simply because it's it's this tool that's enabled me to do so much. But it's the Phantom, the DJI Phantom 3 Advanced drone. And uh, I was blown away from the moment. What is that, a helicopter gunship? It's, <laughs> it's a quadcopter, also known as a drone. Um, mm -hmm. uh, if you do a quick Google search, you'll see, you'll probably have seen these things around or see them on TV. They're very, very kind of particular shape and size, and okay. you know, they, they're quite popular all over. But the DJI 3, it's not the latest model. The 4 has just been launched in South Africa. But the reason I went for this one, it, it, it was the best DJI up until the point of the 4 being launched. Yeah. And also, it's at a very good price point now. Okay. So it's about 16,000 Rand just for the drone itself um you know again i'm looking at it as a camera it's not a toy yeah the camera footage that you are able to shoot with this thing is absolutely phenomenal you've got a, a range of about five kilometers from where you're standing with a height limitation of about 500 meters i mean yeah. you can really see that you know as a photographer as a videographer the kind of things you'll be able to do with this is absolutely phenomenal yeah um, yeah now, legalities and license issues aside, because that, that's still virtually impossible to attain for any, any average kind of drone flyer. So for me, it's very much a hobby still, you know, sure. I'm flying as a hobbyist. Um, 
but yeah, this product is absolutely amazing. If if you're into photography or videography, I would certainly suggest you to try this out. Um, now I've seen some of the. You showed me some of the footage before we started recording, and it looks pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's essentially quite mm. copter with a, a gimbal-based camera situated below. It, so you get. Mm. In, uh, oh, that's what the, why they're so. The why images so are so smooth, stable yeah. and smooth. Beautiful. So, beautiful coverage and you took some shots of a, of a, of a mountain biker race over Clarence yes um, so yeah I mean I'm going to use it for a lot of these kind of mm. events where I shoot the races um, running events and all these things it's very much an experiment for me too to see what, mm. what, what I'm able to do um, but such a great tool such a great camera um, and, and the technology that goes in it it's, I find it hard to believe that this is a consumer product um, this was probably military grade spec not more than a, not less than a decade ago mm. I would imagine um, probably, could, probably used by Hollywood Studios until recently. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, and, and that's a good point. Mm. You know, Hollywood Studios up until up until the, the, the time that these parts were released, you know, you had to spend thousands of rands to get the same rig to do the kind of things you can do um, with another camera. Yeah. Now, for for under twenty grand, so to speak, you can you can really achieve the same quality. Mm. I mean, for a few thousand rand more, you can get the Phantom Three Professional, which is a four K camera. The Advance has got a two point seven K, which is more than sufficient. I'm, I don't edit in 4K. Mm. I don't think there's a need for what I'm doing yet. Um, but yeah, super impressive. The technology in terms of GPS that goes in there is phenomenal. It hovers in place. You can uh, set up route points. You can set it to follow you. Um, you can install oh, wow. third-party software. Uh, it's called Leachy that allows you to actually set up a shot. So you, you plan the shot from where the drone rises, yeah. where it needs to fly to, at which height, yeah. where the camera needs to point. So you can set up a perfect shot um, in a controlled environment if you if you want to do that. Yeah. And something that wasn't able that you weren't able to do with any other equipment uh, a few mm. years ago. Mm. It's absolutely phenomenal. Um, I like again, the, follow, the follow you feature. That's quite cool. So, <laughs> so if, you go, if I go on a trail run, for example, I could get the drone to follow me for the entire trail run. Yes, as long as there's no trees around, you might have a problem with that. But yeah. Phantom Four, interesting enough, uh, actually has uh, a, a object avoidance technology built okay. in, so it'll it'll compensate for this. Wow. Um, but yeah, no, this is. Uh, I'll, I'll definitely be sharing a lot more footage online uh, over the coming weeks and months. Cool. Um, well, if you have you got some stuff on. YouTube already because then we can just uh, share a video. Yes, I will. Post. I will. We'll put it. We'll put a link into this. The, the video that I shot actually for last week in Clarence um, Ashburton Mountain Bike Series. Okay. Um, you can go check out the shots there. Okay, fantastic. Well, we'll, we'll put that uh, YouTube link in uh, in with that um, with the entry. So I've actually got two picks this week. Uh, the first is a TV show which I'm really enjoying, um, and I don't think I've mentioned it on the show before. I have a funny feeling I might have. So if I'm repeating myself, please forgive me. But, um, if you haven't seen the show Halt and Catch Fire yet, Halt and Catch Fire, go and grab it's it. First, I've heard of this. It's very good. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm not repeating myself then, I hope. <laughs> um, it's an excellent show. It's about the early days of the computer industry, the PC industry, and it's about, it loosely, seems to me to be loosely modeled on, on Compaq and oh. the creation of the clone PC industry. Now, it's fictional, uh, but it's, it's very much... Um, there's a lot of attention to detail, so it's technically accurate for the time, uh, and there's a lot of you know discussion about the components in PCs and the software around and all this sort of stuff, and it's technically accurate for the time, and it's a really good, really entertaining show. Um, so it's it's great to see uh, Hollywood and the big studios, um, uh, you know, tackling. IT issues. Nice. Um, uh, I suppose the audience is big enough now to warrant it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where, where, where is this available? Where can I watch it? 
I have no idea. Is it available online? It's a- available online. So it's you... not a multi-choice. <laughs> it could be. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say it's available. Uh, so if you're looking for it, go Google it. <laughs> and you will find it. I'm sure it's on Netflix or something. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's Halt and Catch Fire. So check that out. And then my other pick this week uh, is the new Garmin Forerunner 630 uh, sports watch, which um, is pretty amazing. I'm a, I own the Garmin Forerunner uh, 620 before it, and... I can tell you that this is a major, major upgrade uh, to that running watch. Um, it just makes me wonder the pace of innovation currently in the sports watch market and uh, what the Garmin 400 640 and 650 might look like, <laughs> given how much change there's been between the 620 and 630. But I'm going to do a comprehensive review of this watch in the in the coming weeks. I haven't unfortunately been able to test the, the actual GPS running component in any sort of detail yet because I've been a bit ill over the last week or two. But... Um, but the, uh, the, the what they've really done with this watch, they've built in a lot, a lot of smartwatch functionality into it. So you pair it with your phone via, over Bluetooth, and um, it'll display your incoming calls, your emails, your WhatsApp messages, all that sort of thing, which is very handy uh, if you don't want to if you leave your phone in another room or you mm. as long as it's within Bluetooth range, or you've um, you're in a meeting, for example, you can just have a glance at your watch uh, and see what uh, the call is that's coming in. Um, so full smartwatch functionality, but the thing I really like about this this watch, uh, uh, beyond the smartwatch functionality, which is brilliant, is the fact that uh, you can now go into the uh, Garmin online store and uh, download customized watch faces. Oh yes, um, I can see you've got multiple uh, data displayed yeah. on there. Yeah, nice. yeah so um, the the watch face I'm using at the moment, I forget exactly what it's called, but it's it's really good. Um, it's got uh, it's just displaying the sunrise and sunset times for my current location. It shows how many steps I've walked today, the distance I've walked, uh, the battery life left, and how many messages I have on my cell phone. Um, and you can customize this to display just about any data you want. Um, what I really like about the 630 as well is the screen is very readable in direct sunlight. In fact, it's better to look at it in direct sunlight than in a darkened room, uh, in which case you'd want to use the backlight. Um, but it's a, it's a major step up on the 620. I'm, I'm very impressed with this watch. So look out for the full review, detailed review that I plan to do in the, in the next few weeks once I've had a chance to actually um, put some mileage on it and uh, test out the running functionality as well. Nice. Great. Well, that's the show, except for the quiz results. So let's do those. Yeah. Let me kick it off. Uh, the first question was, how many live TV channels is DSTV now, now streaming online? And the answer is 46. So if you're going anywhere between 36 and 56, we'll accept it. <laughs> well, that's a lot of channels, actually. I mean, it is a lot of channels, actually. Streaming. I think impressive. they only have about 120 channels, 130 <laughs> channels in total on DSTV Premium. Um, the just downside of this DSTV now is that you have to be a DSTV uh, subscriber. So you have to have yeah. the set-top box and the PVR and everything else before you can use it. So it's not a streaming-only option. It's a pity. We hope, hopefully they'll do that at some point in the future. I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. And hopefully they bring HD to it as yeah, well sooner definitely. rather than later. The second question. What was a type of rocket or What was a type of rocket developed by SpaceX that landed successfully on a barge floating in the ocean? And that is, of course, the beautiful Falcon 9. Stunning. And uh, just if you haven't seen it, and I'm sure you have seen it, but if you haven't seen it, go to YouTube right now. Pause this podcast. <laughs> go to YouTube. Type in Falcon 9 landing uh, barge, and I'm sure you'll find it. Third question. Uh, many people, as the Hardy does, start up again. <laughs> when many people forget that the Gupta family started out in South Africa... Oh, let me rephrase that. Many people forget that the Gupta family started out in South Africa in the ICT sector and still have a big investment in the industry. What is their ICT company called? And the answer, of course, is Sahara Holdings. 
or Sahara Computers. Sahara Computers. I remember them when I started as a tech journalist. I mean, they were quite uh, active in the industry back then. That's yeah. really good prices. That's what I remember. Yeah. Some really good prices. They're not as, you don't hear them as, about them as much yeah, as you no, used they, to. Yeah. I only mm. see them as I drive on the highway uh, yeah. towards Midrand. The building yeah. is still there. Yeah, next to New Age and uh, A97. A97, that's it. That's <laughs> it. Uh, the fourth question. How much has Uber... Uber cut its Uber X prices in South Africa for the winter months. The answer up to twenty percent. Up to twenty percent. There's been some uh, uh, lashback from uh, some drivers. Some drivers, yeah, yeah. But I think it's a very good thing. I mean, it, again, it shows you company like Uber can really revolutionise something as simple as the taxi industry or, or, or Uber, something. Uber as is like a brilliant a, model. It's a brilliant model. And a way to yeah mm. to get more customers when you know people aren't going to be yeah. driving as much. Yeah, it's brilliant. And I'll be using Uber this weekend to go to the Carnival concert. So, oh, uh, oh, wonderful. So, I'm um, uh, looking forward to using them and looking forward to the cheaper prices. Too. <laughs> 20%. And uh, the last question this week was the advertising, this easy one, of course, the Advertising Standards Authority ordered TLC to take down a billboard claiming it offered the widest network coverage. Who was the complainant? And that was, of course, Vodacom. And that's our show. As always, if you've got any feedback, info at techcentral.ca.za or leave a comment under the post. Until next time, hopefully next Friday, but we can't make any guarantees. <laughs> from Rechelt and myself, cheers. Ta-ta.